According to the American Farm Bureau Federation, the price of the average Thanksgiving dinner for 10 this year is up 20% as inflation continues to take a bite out of the U.S. consumer's wallet. But are media reports of potential shortages of butter and turkey accurate, or are those key holiday meal ingredients readily available? Welcome to Feedstuffs in Focus, our podcast taking a deeper look at the big issues affecting the livestock, poultry, grain, and animal feed industries. I'm your host, Andy Vance. Thanks for joining us today. This episode is sponsored by Novus International, a leader in swine, poultry, and dairy nutrition solutions driven by science. Novus's products and services look at the whole animal, focusing on productivity and well-being in order to feed the world affordable and wholesome food. For more information, visit the Novus website at novusint.com. Throughout the month of October and into November, news stories seem to suggest that a range of grocery items, most notably butter, eggs, and turkey, might be harder to find this holiday season due to a variety of events from the shortage of agricultural labor on through to high-path avian influenza. To get to the bottom of the supply chain situation, we spoke with Michael Dykes, president of the International Dairy Foods Association, and Brian Ernest, senior protein analyst with CoBank. All right, so let's get to the brass tacks here on this sure. story. It seemed like the month of October, every media outlet going had had some variation of uh, there is a butter shortage coming and here's what you need to know. Let's do a drive-by of the supply-demand situation, go back to first principles as you and I as uh, guys who have a little bit of uh, economics under our belt. What's the current state of play with regard to the butter supply and demand picture in the U.S.? Well, Andy, let's start by putting people at ease. We're not in a butter, we, we're not in a butter shortage. We, got, we have butter. Uh, so let's, let's start with the drive-bys you said. Uh, We've been in the first half of this year, uh, milk production is down in the U.S. about 1%. Milk production has been down in New Zealand, uh, Europe, weather uh, related issues. Uh, so we've had a decline uh, in the supply of milk, uh, but and, and that has left us with uh, uh, less butter in storage. Supplies have been tight and prices have been higher. Uh, and people are running, uh, turning more to the groceries rather than eating in the restaurants. So uh, going into the holidays, there were some stories that we butter was going to be tight. You need to get your butter. And so there might have been some pantry loading going on. But what we are finding now is there and we knew all along uh, there's plenty of butter. Butter exports were up. So not only are Americans looking for butter, people around the world are looking for butter. Uh, butter consumption, uh, as has dairy consumption in general, increased. Dairy consumption is up about 12 pounds per person uh, over year over year. Butter consumption is up about two pounds. Takes about 20 pounds of milk to make a pound of butter. So uh, we have butter. Supplies are tighter. Prices are up. Exports have been up about 40 percent of butter to meet the global demand because milk production has been down elsewhere. But in September, we started seeing an increase in milk production slightly here in the U.S., up about 1.7%, something like that. So uh, bottom line, Andy, butter's here. Uh, supplies are tight. Uh, storage numbers are tight. But uh, plenty of butter and prices are up. You, you mentioned the weather issues around the world as one of the things contributing to the production challenges there, a little bit of drop-off. I'm also thinking 
consolidation here stateside, at least uh, the number of, of producers who have decided, uh, hey, maybe it's time to, to, to retire and uh, hang up my coveralls is certainly part of that story as well, given some of the challenges of uh, feeding and milking cows. The pencil's got to be pretty sharp in the industry right now to, to stay afloat. I'm, I'm thinking that's a piece of that story as well. Well, pencils have to be very sharp, but uh, our producers are doing a fantastic job with genetics and production, milk production per cow. So even though we tend to have uh, cow numbers are about flat, we see fewer farms, cow numbers are about flat, but production per cow continues to increase, Andy. The other issue in all of this is the cost. Everyone's cost line. So feed costs are up, labor costs are up, energy costs are up for fuel and so forth. So uh, the cost items are up as well. And just, we don't have enough workers for truck drivers. So the competition to move goods and services is escalated. All that's increasing costs. So you, you need a sharp pencil uh, because of the current economic conditions. We're in inflation. Uh, we're seeing uh, uh, grocery store inflations at a 43 year high, mm -hmm. uh, Andy. So all those are factors. You know, I think it's important for us to spend a minute on this topic of labor. I know this is one that has uh, been a thorn in the side of dairy processors, uh, dairy producers as well for for some time now. You and I were talking about this kind of as we were preparing for the conversation today. I mean, is there uh, if there's a bigger challenge out there than labor when it comes to food production and processing, but it's hard to think of what it what it might be uh, aside from farmers' uh, uh, ongoing fight with mother nature and weather, but let's dig in on this labor issue for a little bit. Could you paint us a picture now for how significant that challenge is for your member companies across the country? Well, let's start with some people think the premise is, well, you just pay them more. All of my members are paying them more, if you will. Yeah. The problem we have here, Andy, on labor, it's just a simple math problem. We have declining birth rates in the U.S. and in Western Europe most of the developed world, we have declining birth rates. We, we don't have enough births to replace those that are retiring. Baby boomers, about 10,000 baby boomers every day are turning 65. So it's a math problem. And I say on general, on average, our IDFA members are down about 10% in the workforce. Uh, they've gone to flexible schedules. They've gone to part-time, uh, we've gone to greater use of technology and automation. Uh, we're seeing automation and technology throughout the supply chain. Farmers are moving to robotic milkers, moving to robotic uh, feeds that push the feeds up, feeds up to the cows. Uh, we're seeing it in all the manufacturing facilities, uh, all the places we can to use technology and automation because we just simply cannot get enough workers. Uh, th that's the underlying problem. And I say to Andy, it's the underlying problem with so many of these supply chain issues. We just don't have enough people to drive the trucks and move the things around and move them from place to, from place, to place. Uh, it's a major issue for our members. Uh, and Andy, quite honestly, uh, people say, well, so Michael, what's the answer to that? How are we going to create more people? Well, we aren't going to create more people. The answer to that in, in our view is we need immigration reform. We need to, uh, the Workforce Modernization Act has passed the House of Representatives twice here in Washington, it's never passed the Senate. I think our best opportunity to make that happen is during the lame duck session when 
uh, they return here after the elections and before the new members of Congress are sworn in. So we will see, but we have been pushing to make sure uh, to encourage members of Congress, especially members of the Senate, to pass the Workforce Modernization Act. And we need workers not just at the farm, but we also need workers in the processing plant. So we want to see processing jobs added to that, Andy. That was Michael Dykes, president of the International Dairy Foods Association. To learn more about the situation with turkeys, we turned to Brian Ernest of CoBank. Brian, you know, one of the first things they teach you on day one of market reporter school is the cliche that the only cure for high prices is high prices. So when I was watching you talk about the turkey price situation, we'll go back to turkeys before we dig into eggs. And uh, we talked about the, you know, really high prices uh, there. And yet, you know, supplies have remained relatively constrained. I, I guess I'm wanting you to pull out your crystal ball a little bit and see, do you expect to see given those consumption trends, which were down to the right, uh, that producers will continue to be, I would say, a little more conservative about any plans for expansion or up a number of birds with both the consumption headwinds and the specter of high path avian influenza in the offing. You know, it's interesting. If you take out all of those instances and just think about, okay, what has happened in the past? It would suggest that we'll see some expansion coming ahead of us, right? You know, if you think back to 2015, it, it, that era, that high price environment uh, led producers to expand in the space. But um, there's there's so many other factors and variables that kind of come into that decision making process now um, that I think really limit the ability for the producers to expand in the upcoming year. Um, so so that that notion that high prices will be cured or have been cured maybe by by higher prices, right? We've seen, um, you know, record high price environment across the board for turkeys, and, and that should take care of it. Um, it you know, it's it's going to be difficult for, for that to come into play. I, I think we we see this in pretty much all goods that are, are being produced, right? It's like if you think about oil, or, uh, gasoline prices, um, we were talking about this earlier, thinking about diesel, it's like that has to cure itself eventually, right? But uh, there's there's still some production restraints, uh, and I think that plays out in this space that uh, uh, suggests that we may see otherwise. Um, How concerned are you about the demand side of that equation? Because I, I thought that graph you showed about consumption, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, it reminds me of we've been talking for basically my entire career about whole milk or milk fluid milk being in crisis. Well, you know, when you look at that consumption trend for turkey. I mean, that's a pretty steady trend down to the right. So I'm sitting here wondering uh, how concerned should I be as a turkey producer seeing that? Uh, and if we have high prices, does that further move consumers away from wanting to add turkey into their consumption plans? Yeah, I think the the um, the industry as a whole had, had somewhat of a steady growth pattern kind of prior to 2018. So there, there was an instance there where um, you know, we had higher beef prices that kind of made more room in the deli case for, for turkey um, and pork prices, too. So ham was a, a you know, a, a pricier option at the deli case. Uh, we may be in that sort of a scenario again. You think about proteins in general and, and overall we've seen a high price environment. And uh, so if if turkey wants to come in as, as a, a, a price leader, um, probably another good opportunity out front. So. 
maybe it bucks the trend. I, I think there's there's a lot of difficulties though, and and HPAI is one of those where mm-hmm. um, there's a bit about uh, of unknown coming into the next year of of how much it has the potential to impact production. Um, back 2015, it was it was here for half the year and then it was gone. Didn't have to you know it was it was always kind of floating around in the thought process, but didn't impact production the way it, it did then. So uh, mm-hmm. that, that maybe uh, maybe we get out of the woods on it. Well, you're also dealing with the question of what's overall profitability look like because the producer is dealing with higher costs of everything, uh, feed costs maybe most notably. So is that also a lid on, you know, any potential expansion that might slacken up prices and goose demand? Yeah, there's there's certainly that aspect when you think about, uh, um, you know, the feed costs and, and front end costs. Um, demand seems to be there for protein uh, in general mm-hmm. and um, specifically highly nutritious, uh, you know, animal protein and, and turkey fits the boxes there for sure. And as folks are, are looking at their budgets a little bit closer, um, you know, I think they'll be search, seeking out more, uh, more value proteins, which turkey historically has kind of fit in that box as well. So, um, yeah. you know, for, so that, that, the, you know, the production side of it, there's certainly some, uh, some pressure and constraints there that will, uh, continue to be contained in the market. That's, that's, um, I think a, a given that there, that'll be difficult to, to work around. I think that was one of the reasons that slide with consumption on it threw me for a loop because proteins King consumers are really all about protein have been for several years now. And as you say, Turkey checks a lot of boxes there, you know, lean, uh, high protein, low calorie, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I'd kind of that, that threw me a little bit sideways there looking at that graph, which is maybe why it's important to have the conversation, obviously, uh, looking at, you know, the broader picture here of, of the holidays. Um, I think you gave us a lot to think about there. How far out as you look ahead into your outlook, how far out do you anticipate? And obviously high path is a, a bit of a wild card, so hard for you to be too too good of a prognosticator on that. But in terms of the broader issues, you know, we have some uh, idea of what the Fed's trying to do with inflation and interest rates and some of those kind of things. How far out in the outlook would you anticipate some of these constraints to persist for the industry? And in, in other words, how how far out into the future does the current story hold water for us well from a a front end supply situation or a a feed cost environment we should probably expect that we're going to see those feed costs higher so um the fact that that'll have a dampening effect on on uh, production here it's it's probably going to continue to be you know about neutral with with where it's at now right Um, which is is vastly elevated when you look before 2020 uh pre-2020 or 2015 through 2020 numbers um, you know, we're, we're at a much higher, uh, corn soybean price environment. Um, so that overall, you know, has, has that implication to it, uh, dampening effect. But I, I think one of the big things that, um, maybe it's difficult to really scare out from an overall industry standpoint, uh, is looking at, um, uh, you know, the, the, the mix of production that is, comes stems from the larger toms versus, uh, you know, hens and toms for, uh, looking at holiday production versus your more year-round turkey usage, and you know that's that's something that you know you can see. You look at a ten percent reduction in in weekly processing of toms versus a three-year average, and only a two percent reduction of hens. Uh, that really does kind of show you that the industry has um, has noticed that 
the demand constraints uh, kind of lead them to what should we produce this year? Well, now this year uh, we're seeing fresh town breast meat hit record levels over seven bucks a pound. Um, you know, and they're staying there and, and supply is very, very tight. So, um, that's a signal to producers that they can produce more toms. And, um, uh, so that, you know, I, I think that, that bodes well for, for producers, but, um, just going to be, I think still a difficult time to navigate probably the next two, three years, uh, for, um, you know, for this segment. My thanks to Michael Dykes and Brian Ernest for their insights into the supply and demand picture for these key food products. You can watch my full interview with each of them at Feedstuffs365.com. Just click on the on-demand link to find these interviews or any of our previous episodes. You can also read more of our coverage of the animal protein markets in the pages of Feedstuffs. You can find the latest issue, hot off the digital presses, as well as past editions by visiting Feedstuffs.com and clicking on Digital Editions. This episode of our podcast was sponsored by Novus International. You can learn more about their new scale-up program for dairy by visiting novusint.com. I'm Andy Vance, and you've been listening to Feedstuffs in Focus. Thanks for joining us today. If you want to hear more conversations about some of the big issues affecting the livestock, poultry, grain, and animal feed industries, subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platforms, including Apple and Google Podcasts, or visit our website, feedstuffs.com, for future episodes. Until next time, have a great day, and thanks for listening.